scores! Dominic Cahoon! That didn't take long to fit right the strip. Skinner comes away with it, fire scores! Oh my goodness, Jeff Skinner! Welcome to the Buffalo Hockey Central podcast. I am John. I'm joined with Craig here. Um, it's going to be our first episode in quite a long time, and hopefully, we'll keep things running smoothly uh, for the next uh, for the next few years. The moment um, you said Craig, running, the moment you said running smoothly, I knew something was going off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we can keep it smooth. Hopefully, we can keep it smooth. Now, Craig, thanks for joining me. How, how have you been? <laughs> so far, so good. They haven't thrown me out yet, which is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, Craig. So, just the first thing I wanted to uh, to talk to you about today, um, just go over our uh, playoff predictions so far, um, and and the overall thoughts of the format. We'll we'll start with that. Um, what do you think of the the format this year with? you know, the whole COVID-19 situation. I think I'm going to be in the minority in this situation. I, I've, I've seen dissenting opinions about this, both pro and con as to how they put this together. But I really like it. And I would not be opposed to perhaps even shortening the regular season back to, say, 70 games, have a play, a play in as they did, uh, the, the, the top four. You wouldn't even necessarily need a round robin as they did for more or less warming up. But to, to be able to include more teams in the postseason, I mean, the, the argument has to be made. Chicago and Montreal would never be in the position they are now if they didn't have this play in. But by virtue of those games they played, they, they were the better teams. So I, I, yeah. really, I really like it. And I wouldn't. And I know there a lot of purists will say that I've lost my mind and they're right. But in, in, in this situation, I really do think there's some merit for this moving forward to be a, 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 a long-term thing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, actually. Um, it's, you know, for somebody who's got a little bit extra time on their hands these days, um, it has been so fun to be able to turn the TV on anytime in the afternoon and you're going to find a hockey game. It's, it's really awesome. Um, you know, the NBA has kind of done a good job as well, I think, but, I you know, the NHL really – really hit it out of the park, um, you know, dealing with the situation that we, that we're in. Um, it was a ton of fun watching, you know, not only the exhibition games, but the play in rounds. Uh, personally, I thought there was going to be quite a bit of rest from the players with, with such a long time off, but I mean, the intensity was, was right there. It, it really was not far off from playoff intensity in my opinion. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things that I noticed was some of the playoff veteran teams take take pittsburgh for example uh they look like they just didn't bother showing up and you say okay well if if that's the way it's going to be i would much rather have a team like montreal who's really hungry at that 12 seed make it into what would be considered the actual playoffs than a team like pittsburgh who more or less you know they they, they were the fifth seed they were the highest seed in the play-in but they just looked like they were going to mail it in and try to, you know, if they get there, they get there. And uh, it, it should make for a better first round of the actual playoffs with Philadelphia, with Montreal there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. 
Um, so going off of that, we do have our bracket. Um, actually, the f there's a game going on right now, and um, I believe it was the Tampa Bay-Columbus game, and it was in double overtime last time I checked. I'm not sure if that game has ended yet, um, so we'll, we'll not peek at that, but let's go over our uh, playoff predictions um, You know, before we, we know the outcome of, of any of the games so far. So let's start in the East. Uh, we got Philly and Montreal. Philly's the number one seed, and Montreal's the eight seed, like you said. Well, you well, I, I, you know, and I feel, I feel almost besmirched saying this because Philadelphia, being uh, who they are in terms of their relation to Buffalo, we, we obviously there's there, there's not a lot of love lost between these two hockey towns. So I feel, I feel almost filthy picking Philadelphia, but I don't think, I don't think you can ignore them. I think, you know, the end of the regular season prior to the pause, they, they won something like 10 of 11 games or, or something along that line. And they just went into the round robin uh, format and absolutely just dominated their opponents. So I, for me, I, I've got Philadelphia going a long way in this bracket, even though I, I may have to take a shower after saying so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is definitely hard to ignore them, like you said. Um, did they even lose a game in the round no. robin? No, they didn't. Yeah, they, they have been on a tear, um, just manhandling their opponents at this point. And they're kind of one of those under-the-radar teams that, you know, really they don't get as much respect as they probably deserve. And, you know, again, I know they're a big rival, but you got to give them respect when, when they earn it. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've got Philly going – um, going to, well, we'll say we'll, they're going through this round for me so far. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're on the same page with that. Next, we got Tampa Bay and Columbus. This is this is a tough one for me, but I'll let you uh, let you have first whack at it. Oh, good. So I can stumble first. Perfect. Um, yeah, yep, yep. This is this series. I'll agree with you on this one, John. This series to me in the East, at least, is probably the hardest for me to predict mainly because you've got two teams that I don't want to say they didn't necessarily stumble Columbus in beating Toronto in five games. They, they, they were good, but they took advantage of opportunities. It wasn't as much as they were that much better than Toronto. It was Toronto did not take advantage of the scoring chances and, and the gaffes Columbus did, which is a sign of a good hockey club, no doubt. But for me, I'm, I fall back to, there's a lot of playoff experience in Tampa Bay. A, those players have been to the postseason consecutive season after consecutive season. And I, I know that's a cliche, and, and I know you can almost throw that out now with the whole COVID situation and these teams not playing competitive hockey for three or four months. But at the same time, I think once the actual playoff games start going, I, I think Tampa Bay, for, for me, has the edge in that department. I think they have the edge in, in, in goaltending. I think Vasilevsky is still one of the premier goalies in the, in the world. Uh, and I, I, I think they win. But truly, for me, I would not be surprised to see this one go seven games. Uh, but I, I still think Tampa Bay comes through. Yeah, okay. So I, I have this uh, as going to seven games as well. Um, you're right. Tampa Bay, like they've got players that have been – you know, most of their team has been to the playoffs year in and year out. And, you know, that is valuable experience. And on paper, I think you could argue, like, they're probably the best team in the league. If mm -hmm. you compare, you know, on paper, they have more talent up and down their lineup than anybody else. 
But you can't ignore the fact that they've struggled when it comes to playoff time in the yeah. past. And for that, Columbus, I've got Columbus beating them in seven games. And, you know, Columbus, they do lack some stars. You know, Panarin left, Bobrovsky left. Um, there's another guy that left as well. I'm, I'm blanking on that. But, you know, they, they keep grinding hard. Nick Foligno, uh, you know, he's a leader on that team. And he's not going to put up, you know, 90 or 100 points a season. But he plays the right way. And I got him squeaking it out. And Tampa Bay is going to have to, if they, if they fail in the first round here, they're going to really have to look in the mirror and figure out, what they need to do differently. Yeah, and I think it's a great point. And I think the thing about Columbus that I like is they have a really nice mixture of role players, you know, the, the Felinos, the Atkinsons. But for me, the guy who I've been really impressed with is Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that they're hoping he is that future superstar as a former number three overall pick. And But at the same time, what I like about them is they remind me of those mid-90s Sabres teams where the talent was in pockets. I mean, obviously, when you have the best goaltender in the world, you know, that'll help you. But but the, the talent's in pockets, but they play for each other. And I think those are the teams that you have to be really afraid of in the postseason because those are the teams that play like they have nothing to lose. And talent doesn't necessarily trump effort in that regard. When you have bits of that talent, bits of the high-level stuff, and you can mix that in with a great work ethic and a team that actually wants to play for one another, that, that's a team to be really afraid of in the postseason. Yeah, and that's that's why I, I've got them going through. And it'll that, like you said, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that series. I so want to look to see who won the first game, but we'll hold off. Um, that takes us to Washington versus New York Islanders. And I'll, I'll take the first whack on this one. I've got Washington going, and that's not that's not like you know a smack to the Islanders or anything. They're they're a good team, uh, but Washington, look, you know they've got a cup recently. Um, you know they're still hungry. They got a lot of vets who have been there before, and when it comes down to it, I think you know their their experience when it when it really matters, it's going to pay off. I got them beating the Islanders in six games. I'm actually going to take the Islanders here. And I'll tell you why. I agree with everything you're saying. Washington, the, the cup experience, the fresh off of uh, you know high-level playoff hockey. Uh, the Islanders do something better than just about any other team in the league. And when it comes to the playoffs, this is where that comes out, and that suffocate their opponents. The Islanders yeah. are an excellent defensive hockey team. And Washington, as we have seen them in their current incarnation – they are much happier playing, I don't want to call it run-and-gun hockey because that's, that's not true, but, but if you want to get into a shootout with the Capitals, you're in trouble. But if you, as, as the Capitals' opponent, are able to suffocate the neutral zone, and, I mean, no one is going to clamp Alex Ovechkin down. I mean, he, he, he's going to get his no matter what. The question is, how much of his will he get? And if you are a really strong defensive hockey club, you can frustrate him. I mean, we've seen as Sabres fans, we've seen Rasmus Ristolainen get under Ovechkin's skin when they play all the time. And, I love that matchup, by the way. And oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, versus Ovechkin. Oh yeah, because because you're seeing exactly what he's doing. 
And it works. Now, granted, Ovechkin is so supremely talented that he can overcome that to a degree. But the reality is, if you can suffocate parts of Washington's offense, you have a legitimate chance. And the Islanders are a great defensive team, and they take advantage of opportunities given to them. To me, the Islanders are the dark horse in the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to take them in seven games, and then I'm going to be spectacularly wrong. And I will eat all the crow humanly possible. But I, I think the Islanders have a better chance than people may give them credit for. Yeah. No, I, I like the prediction. I think you're right. They are kind of a dark horse. And, hey, if they get past Washington, who knows how far they could go, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and in this format, with these teams not playing as much as they're used to, I mean, I, I think the seeding is going to be really deceiving this time around. Yeah, it's not straightforward as, as many people might think, as opposed to like years past. Um, it's it's kind of just a jumbled mix up. Everybody everybody in the playoffs right now has a shot at the cup. I would say. Agreed. All right, and that that brings us to our last uh, matchup out of the East: Boston and Carolina. And and I'll go first again on this one. Um, man, I've got Carolina, and if you ask me, even probably a week or two ago. There's no way that I would say that Boston doesn't beat them in the playoffs. But with with some of the injuries they've dealt with and the the, the struggles they dealt with during the round robin, you know they're the fourth seed. Um, they they played the worst out of the top four teams, and Carolina they look pretty good right now. They've got a lot of young talent, and they're only going to get better and better. And I think they're hot. And you get hot in the playoffs against a cold team like Boston, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take Carolina in seven games. I uh, I'll agree with one caveat. I've got Carolina in five, and oh, wow. and I'll agree for all the reasons you said because the reality is, as everybody knows who's watched hockey for any length of time, when you get hot in the postseason. Those teams are virtually impossible to bring down. Boston comes into the round robin, as you said. They were not good. Basically, they did not play well in most facets of the game. And Carolina did. And Carolina's, Carolina reminds me a lot of Philadelphia, where Carolina was playing pretty hot at the end of the regular season before the pause, much like Philadelphia was, and they just picked up with it. Now, I know Boston was the best team in the league at the pause, but they, because they're more of a veteran team, I think the pause really hurt them in that regard because you've got a lot of guys who are really used to a certain routine. And when you're when you're a real veteran-laden team, these guys are getting up there. And it's harder for those guys to get back into the new routine and get going again, whereas you have your younger players, uh, your more youthful players have – I don't want to say that it, it, this is definitely the case, but it, it feels as though – the more youthful teams have had a better go of it, at least, at least this early on. Uh, Carolina, and again, I mean, I'm really going to have to scrub hard in the shower after this because not only did I give Philadelphia praise, but giving Carolina praise as a Sabres fan, I mean, that's almost just as bad. Uh, oh, yeah. But, if not worse. Oh, I, you know what? For the more recent fandom, it is worse. If you go back a little further, I mean, you, you, you're just – you're in it with both legs at this point. And yeah. but for me – I think Carolina may be the class of the Eastern Conference over the next four or five seasons. They are really up and coming, and um, and I, I, they they kind of 
remind me a little bit of the uh, 04, 05, uh, the, um, the mid-2000 Sabres coming out of the lockout, where that season after the lockout, the 05, 06, I believe, um, they they weren't very good and they caught fire. And then they get into the playoffs and they, they, they were on fire in the playoffs until, of course, the aforementioned Carolina incident. Uh, and But I, I see Carolina in that mold with, with, with a nice mix of youth and veterans, but the youth... Uh, you know, guys like Sebastian Ajo and Julian Gauthier and Svechnikov. I mean, these guys are excellent hockey players that if Carolina can keep them, they're going to be there for the long haul. And, and I think Carolina is going to be a real problem in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And as much as I hate to say it, they're going to be a really fun team to watch going yeah. forward. Yep. Should should provide some, uh, some really good games between Buffalo and Carolina in the next five to ten years, even sooner, as, as soon as next year, knock on wood. I hope so. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's head over to the Western Conference. We've got the Vegas Golden Knights against the number eight seed Chicago Blackhawks. And Craig, I was watching the the Chicago Edmonton series, and it was fun. Um, but I watched a couple of Vegas round robin games, and oh my goodness, that team looks like they're ready for the finals right now. Yeah, I they agree. are so fast. They have no weaknesses as a team. And Chicago, like you got Taze, you got Kane, Duncan Keith's getting old, but like I don't really think they got enough on, you know, in the tank to even keep up with Vegas. And um, you know, to sum it all up, I've got Vegas beating them in 5. I'll be I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep them. I, I agree 100% with Vegas in five, uh, mostly because, and it, once again, I watched the majority of the Edmonton-Chicago series, and you're exactly right. It was fun hockey. It was the, it was the poster child for why this play-in format works. It was fun hockey. It was, it was, um, it was ratings hockey. It was, you know, the, 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 the novice fan could watch this and go, this is great because you can market that. You can market Kane and McDavid. You can, when you have the play-in format, you can market your stars better than they currently are because you have more opportunities to do so. The problem is if you watch that series, which you did, it was fun hockey, but it wasn't good hockey. And when I say good hockey, it wasn't crisp playoff, uh, positionally sound, uh, the kind of hockey that you see in the postseason that is a long-term sustainable event. And Vegas, like you said, does all of that. They check off every single box. And I, I, I could see if, if a few of the games get loose, I could see Chicago winning one, maybe two. But, but you're right. Vegas takes us in five. A sweep wouldn't surprise me. If it gets past six games, I'll be really stunned. I think Vegas is uh, going pretty deep this year. Yeah, I, I've got them going pretty deep as well. Um, the next one, this is this is another uh, another interesting one, Colorado versus Arizona. You want to go first on this one? Yeah, why not? I've got Colorado in six, uh, even though I, I think this may be one of the more entertaining series in the first round. Uh, I like Arizona. Arizona's a real plucky team. Um, they can score. They can play a little defense. Goaltending is is decent. 
And, you know, they are good enough to be there, I think, for sure. Uh, but Colorado, to me, is really similar to Vegas, except Vegas, I think, on the back end is a little bit stronger. I mean, I love Kale McCarr in Colorado, uh, but I, I think their back end's a little less experienced as opposed to Vegas, uh, which we know, and once again, using the Sabres-Carolina situation from uh, 2006, uh, when you have that inexperienced defense core, or in Buffalo's case, an injured defense core, uh, it becomes a problem. It shows itself in the postseason. And I think, you know, Colorado, I got them winning this series. I'll, I'll say I'll say they'll win in six. Arizona's a good team. But I think Colorado will, as, as the series progress, I think you might see some of that uh, inexperience on the defensive side come through. Yeah, not much disagreement on my side. I've got uh, Colorado in five. Um, they're kind of they're kind of that next that next tier behind Vegas. Vegas kind of puts themselves on top. It, it's not really close so far. Um, but Colorado, man, they've got a ton of speed up front. Obviously, you know we don't even need to mention McKinnon. Everybody knows how good he is. Um, but as a team, they they do move the puck around very well. Um, Arizona's got some, some good young talent. They've got a couple good vets as well. I just, I think Colorado is going to take it. Um, but I'll be, I'll be tuning into that series for sure. I, I don't typically get to watch, um, a ton of either one of those teams. So it should be a good one to watch, but I think Colorado does take it. Um, the next one is Dallas versus Calgary. And <laughs> I was really, really torn on this one. Um, just because, you know, I watched the, the Calgary series, um, you know, they looked all right. They didn't look great. Uh, I think, uh, they played Winnipeg, correct? That's right. Yeah. Winnipeg was a bit beat up. Shifley was out. Um, Patrick Liney was out. And so they didn't have, you know, those are two huge guys for them and they did not have them in their lineup for most of the series. Calgary squeaked it out. Um, I think Dallas is probably going to take this. I've got them winning in six, but it's really kind of a toss-up for me. I don't think either team's going to go super far in the playoffs. Um, and I'm honestly not really – this is not one of the, the matchups I'm super looking forward to. But for me, it's definitely a toss-up, but I've got Dallas. So for me, I, I like everything you said about this series because – uh, I'll agree that it's probably the least entertaining, the least look forward to. And I'll agree also with the idea that the reason it's the least look forward to is because I don't think either of these two teams make it past the second round. I'm going to go with Calgary in six games. I really love Sean Monahan, Johnny Gaudreau, Kachuk. I, 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 I have always thought that they have underachieved um, with the talent that they have. I think that with them playing a really, a really, uh, I don't want to say long, but a, a, and not necessarily as grueling, but they played a very competitive series against Winnipeg. Yeah. And I think the, yep. the teams that had to play those real competitive series, I think are going to be at a little bit of an advantage here in the first round. And a team like Dallas that was fairly mediocre by their standards going into this first round matchup, I think Calgary gets the jump on them. And I don't know that Dallas can recover from that. So I'm going to go with Calgary in six games in the series. Hmm. Okay. I mean, like I, like I said earlier, it's definitely a toss-up. And I wouldn't be surprised either way it pans out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I probably won't watch that series too much. But 
Um, interesting to see who comes out of that one. And then the last series, uh, and this is another interesting one, actually, I probably will try to pay attention to, is St. Louis versus Vancouver. Uh, St. Louis is the four seed. Vancouver's got the five seed. Um, for me, this is, I kind of picked uh, St. Louis solely based on experience. Um, you know, they're the cup winners from last year. Um, most of their team, if not all of the important players, are pretty much back. Um, you know, they didn't play well in the round robin. Uh, they got the fourth seed for a reason. But I think, you know, like you said earlier, you know, the teams playing in the round robin, they knew they were in. They didn't really have to try as hard as they could have. Uh, Vancouver did have to. So maybe, like you said, they might be more prepped. Uh, Vancouver might be a little bit more prepped, coming in a little bit uh, quicker footed and hotter. But I think ultimately St. Louis, even if they start off slow, they're going to take control of the series. Uh, I got them taking it in five. It's really difficult to bounce the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round. Mm -hmm. so, I won't do, so I won't do it here. Uh, but Vancouver for a Buffalo fan is a lot of times a sentimental hope yeah. uh, being, being the 1970 brethren. But I agree. I, I don't – St. Louis to me is very similar to Vegas in the balance and depth that they have. Um, St. Louis is obviously a scary team because you've got that great mix of veterans. You've got guys like Robert Thomas as a young player as well. You know, when you can when you can send out your lines and you have that mix across all four lines, uh, great mix on the back end, you really have something going for you. And the entire reason St. Louis won the Cup last year is the entire reason why they'll win this series. And I really do believe, and we'll talk about this down the road, but I believe St. Louis goes back to the Western Conference Finals again. They're just they're just too good of a team to to uh, be bounced early on in this situation. Yeah, I it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second round. I think we both got them going, um, but yeah, I, I just I really don't see any way that they don't make it past Vancouver. Uh, like I said, five games, it might go further, but I just, they're not going to drop it. There's no way. So, all right, cool. Um, well, our next topic I did want to touch on briefly was just the quick draft lottery recap uh, for the number one overall pick. Um, for those of you that don't already know, it was awarded to the New York Rangers. And Craig, were you able to watch this draft lottery? I was. Okay, what'd you think and, of it? I I don't know. You know, I think that's one of the things. I I want to have opinions, but there are so many uh, positives and negatives around how the NHL arranged this that I, 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 I'm not sure how to feel about it, to be very honest with you. Uh, I I like the idea of a lottery. Let's just start there. I, I like the, the draft lottery. I think... Um, there is a competitive situation when you talk about like in the NFL where you're just the worst team gets the number one overall pick. There is, I mean, especially in the last 12 games or so, you know, there is a real, and I'm not saying teams tank because I don't think you could find a professional athlete that would say that they do and they shouldn't. But, but the question you have to ask yourself is do managements tank? 
that that's a different conversation. So I like a lot of it. We'll start there. Um, I I thought it was interesting that a team in the play-in was going to be able to pick number one overall. Uh, I thought it was really interesting to watch when they had all the balls and, and the popper there. Uh, and what was really interesting is if you've seen in the day in the now the day after how they showed how close Toronto was to actually getting that pick. Um, I guess the guy who pushed the button to get the ball up in the chamber, when, when Toronto was in there, he didn't push it. And when it was pushed, the Rangers come through and, and, and they, they get the pick. But, uh, so, but on the other hand of things, so part of me says, yeah, it's a great thing to have you know, teams that are really in there pushing and organizations that are trying to win award them with the picks to put them over the top. But at the other, on the other hand, you look at the teams like Detroit, you look at the teams like Ottawa, who, you know, these teams are really bereft in top talent and they're, they're still going to get some because there's a lot of talent in the top five. But you're not going to get the franchise change in player uh, by not being able to get the number one overall slot. So I'm, I don't want to say I'm indifferent, but I'm almost indifferent about the whole situation. Yeah, and this year obviously was way different than any other year. Um, personally, I won't touch on it too long. I thought it was kind of silly that the play-in teams even had a chance at the original lottery. I thought they should have only had the eight teams that missed the playoffs. Um, maybe that's biased because Buffalo would have had a better chance. But regardless, it panned out the way it did. Um, I am definitely glad that they did this draft lottery the way they did, um, you know, having it live on television instead of behind closed doors uh, with like silly numbers and, you know, who knows. But anyway, it was good to see them, you know, do it in front of the camera. I was telling my buddy, I'm like, man, if Toronto wins, this is rigged. This is definitely rigged. And like, that's not fair to say, but I was just like, man, they can't. Toronto can't win this pick, please. Anybody but Toronto. And I'm okay with the Rangers. They definitely weren't my top pick to win. Um, they're going to be a good team, though. They're going to be a pretty yep. good team. They've got, you know, they've got some good veterans. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, uh, obviously Artemi Panarin, who honestly did not play very well in the playing series at all. He only had two no, points in no. three games, which is no. uh, definitely below – below where he should be performing. Um, but it'll be interesting. The the most likely number one pick, Alexi Lafreniere. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. But uh, he's, he's good. He'll definitely be on the team next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits with that Rangers team. But seriously, watch out because they've already – they were already in a good position moving forward. Um, you know, they've got a few goalies that are ready to take over for Lundqvist. They've got some young talent. They've got some veterans. They're going to be a good team. So I'm happy for them. I'm glad that uh, it wasn't Toronto or Pittsburgh or Edmonton. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of indifferent. It was, it was a bummer that it did go to uh, one of the play-in teams. But ultimately, it, it could have played out much, much worse. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure everybody is wondering if we were going to talk about it, is the Royal Blue Jerseys. Now, I'm going to start out by saying these are beautiful. They really 
they really did these the right way and, you know, kind of gave the fans what we were all hoping for, right? It, it wasn't too tricky. They're, they weren't tasked with something impossible. Um, everybody was kind of hoping for the same thing, and and they 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 hit everything we were asking for, and even kind of went a little above and beyond. For me, it was with the logo, right? So they have the uh, the the stitched logo like they did for the fiftieth anniversary, and it looks really really sharp with the royal blues. Uh, Craig, what what are you thinking about these jerseys, man? Well, uh, I don't have any more money. Because when I saw it, I was going to allocate all the rest of it to getting these jerseys. I, uh, now, I date myself a little bit back. I lived in Buffalo in the very early 1990s. So I would go with my dad to the odd, and we would sit in the oranges. And when I, I was there, when McGillney had just defected, and he was just starting his career in the NHL, and there is something very nostalgic and special for me because those the white jerseys are the ones that they wore. In fact, my first jersey as a nine-year-old was an Alex McGillney home white jersey. And I always, and I say this to you, John, I always loved the Sabres logo because it's one of the few in professional sports that says the entire team name in pictures. And I always thought that was really neat that you had the Buffalo and sabers in a logo without any words. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that logo by itself is virtually untouchable. So when I saw they put the silver accents in the, in the charging bison, I was uh, a little hesitant because I'm kind of a purist. But you're right. When you saw it in the 50th uh, anniversary stuff, you, you thought to yourself, oh, this is sweet. This is very sweet. And the fact that they kept that, I actually like it. Um, the one thing I will say, and this makes me sound like an old man on the porch wanting the kids to get off his lawn, and that's okay because I, I come by it honestly. Uh, I would love, and I don't know if this is a league thing, but I would love them to wear the whites at home. Oh, because I, And you're because not alone. That, There's yeah. a lot of people that have been saying that on Twitter recently. And, and I agree. I mean, and, and here's the thing. I understand why they don't. I understand everything behind that. But there's – even if they were able to only do it for, say, five to seven games, that would at least bring back that nostalgia, especially against Montreal, Boston, uh, you know, teams like that, that in, 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 the, in the old Adams division days where they were playing, I mean, Hartford is not there anymore, but when they were playing teams like that, and you could get Boston and Montreal to come in, where, you know, Boston wears the, the black and Montreal the red, and all oh, that, to me, that would make this perfect. But that doesn't have anything to do with the jerseys. I, I agree with you. The jerseys themselves are fantastic. I was afraid when I heard them say, we're going to add a modern twist. I felt eight different types of shutters going up and down my spine. You just never know. <laughs> yes, what kind, because I'm picturing I'm picturing those mustard jerseys. Oh my I'm goodness! Oh, oh yes, I'm picturing all kinds of tweaks that make that just make me hurt. And I'm going, okay, are they going to put a, a silver streak down the middle? I mean, th this can't be good. But I love what they did—the white piping and some of the little touches. Um, they even uh, I saw 
that they did uh, a nod to the city's crest in the in the neck. Yep. Which I thought which I thought was really cool. I mean, those little things because one of the things and you know just as well as anyone else, one of the things about Buffalo is that the Sabres are as much a community team as just about any other team in the league. Because Buffalo being the smaller the smallish market that it is, especially by today's standards, the, the community feels a, an exceptionally strong emotional bond to this organization that I don't think a lot of the larger market team fan bases really understand because they can't, because right. they don't have that same emotional bond because of how tight-knit and small-ish the community is for a professional sports franchise, much the same with the Bulls as well. Um, and I think that them trying to tie that into the New Jersey, that that to me is what really put me over the edge to, uh, I'll buy six of them. I don't care what name's on the back. I don't care if it's blank. I'm going to buy six of them. Why? Well, because I can wear one for almost every day and uh, and really annoy my neighbors and my family members. And that's okay by me. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely like these jerseys. I'm, you know, this is kind of a whole nother topic. I'm hoping they give Darlene an A on his jersey. And I would love to get, I, I don't even know, I would, either one of them would look sick with an A and the Darlene jersey. I I really need to get one. Um, but but could you imagine, could you imagine if they botched these jerseys? What, with the fan base, after everything we've been through recently, could you imagine if they just completely screwed them up? Oh. And I'm not going to lie. The thought crossed my mind. And I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm ragging the organization, and that's not really my intention. My intention is to say, really, uh, good fortune has not followed this franchise, especially over the last 18 months or so. And maybe, you know, just the way things played out for the Sabres organization, be it from all the way, you know, top management down to the players and everything, it's been a really difficult, and, and for a lot of reasons. And so, but the fan base feels the pain of all of that. And so I agree with you. I, I was concerned mainly because I, I didn't want them to get too fancy with it. it. They already had the template. Just follow the template. And that's what they did. And so they should be commended for that. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job. Two thumbs up for me. Um, all right. Our next topic that we will discuss, Jack Eichel. And he has been trending this offseason for – some weird reasons people around the league think he's gonna leave and as a Sabres fan that's like concerning to hear um even though we're like well he's under contract for quite a long time he's the captain it does he has not come out and said that he wants to leave I don't think he's gonna leave anytime super soon um, but it kind of does start to creep in your mind, you know? What is this, five seasons of missed playoffs? You know, he, he's got to be sick and tired of it. What do you think? What do you th- Should we be worried as Sabres fans if we, God forbid, miss the playoffs this coming year? Do you think Jack Eichel would, would want to leave? Uh, do I think Jack Eichel would want to leave? Yes, I do. Do I think Jack Eichel will be afforded the position to leave? I do not. Um, let's look at it from a couple different angles here. And I, I have read everything and a lot of, you know, when they always say where there's smoke, there's fire. So is there something to this? It's a possibility, but it's also low hanging fruit. Let's be very honest. Uh, it's very journalistic, low hanging fruit because you see a guy 
who wears his emotions on his sleeve when he's on the ice. Eichel has always been known for that. And he's frustrated, and he should be frustrated. So he he's doing exactly what you would hope he would be, uh, how he would be acting as a captain of an organization that has not seen the postseason in a decade. Now, that being said, if you look at it from a managerial standpoint, he is the only real marketable star they have in Buffalo. And as we know, marketable stars make money. And this is an organization, just like any other organization, that is looking to make money. And if you trade Jack Eichel, you lose the ability to make the money that he generates for you, whether you're talking about local marketing money uh, with appearances or you're talking about jersey money. I mean, just jersey money alone. You can go out and get a Jack Eichel jersey in any format you want, but go ahead and find me a Sam Reinhardt jersey in any format you want. They're out there but not like Jack Eichel. And the casual hockey fan is not going to buy a Sam Reinhardt jersey, even though I think he's a tremendous player, because Sam Reinhardt isn't the star power that Jack Eichel is. So just from a marketing standpoint, that's a disaster. Unless, of course, you're bringing back Connor McDavid, which you're not doing. But my point is, unless you're bringing back an equal, equal marketable star, from a managerial standpoint, that's a nightmare to start with. Now, there's that. Then the other side of the coin is... I don't think as a front office, and we obviously don't have a clue how Kevin Adams is going to work the front office. He hasn't had to do anything really as a GM yet. Um, But I don't think, I, I, I don't see how you can trade Jack Eichel and justify it as an on ice product because he is the one and only everyday consistent offensive player on a team that doesn't score enough. He's the only player. He, I mean, he is obviously by far their best forward. He's by far their best center. And let's be honest, this is a team that doesn't even have a number two center. So from a, from a logistics standpoint on the ice, you, you can't do it. Now, I, I understand this is a different day and age, and players have more power now than they ever have before. So I understand if Eichel goes, look, I want out, the organization's hands may be tied. But I think... That's the only way he gets out is if he says, look, I'm not playing another game for you guys until you, I'm not playing another game in the NHL until you trade me. That's the only way he's getting out um, from Buffalo. And I, I just don't see that happening. Um, Especially, especially if they're showing good faith in the off seasons and trying to improve. Yeah, there, you definitely had a lot of good points in there. Um, And I agree with your most recent uh, point. You said, you know, I don't think Jack Eichel is the kind of guy who's going to come out to the public and the media and say, get me out of here. I'm not playing another game. I, don't, I just don't see that. Like, you know, he has said in the past, like, he wants to be here. He wants to win because, you know, he loves playing in Buffalo. He, you know, people joke around. He's like, well, he's not staying because he loves the city of Buffalo. Okay, well, you could say that. But, you know, he knows how, how loyal the fan base is and, you know, we're so deprived for, like, any sort of success <laughs> in sports. Um, luckily, we're getting it from, yeah. the bill, from the Bills a little bit more as of late. Um, but, you know, like, he understands, like, we are a very thirsty franchise for success. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, just look at the 10-game winning streak we had. Like, the fans were going crazy. The players, every goal, it was like they were playing in the playoffs, like the goal celebrations. They were having so much fun. 
And can you imagine, oh my goodness, can you imagine when we get to the playoffs soon, watching a guy like Jack Eichel play in the playoffs? He is built for that. He yeah. is the perfect playoff guy. And and that kind of brings us into our next point, is our expectations for next season with Jack Eichel. Um, now, before, before we dive into it too much, I do want to point out that, knock on wood, Jack Eichel should be fully healthy, 100% healthy come next next season due to such a long offseason. Now, if, if we remember, I forget exactly what game it was, but Jack Eichel was on a tear last year. He had the 17-game point streak. He was, he was dragging the Sabres through the mud, keeping them in the playoff race, and then he got, he got tweaked up. Now, I don't remember exactly what happened, if it was an ankle thing or like a knee or a hip thing, but he did get tweaked up, and you could see it. You could see it in his play. It dropped off a little bit, and that's kind of when the rest of the team fell, right, in the standings. So mm-hmm. a healthy Jack Eichel, hopefully he could stay healthy next season. What do you think realistically are some expectations that we could have for the captain? I think it's a difficult prediction at this juncture, mainly because we don't know what the rest of the offseason will bring. Let's just pretend, for the sake of argument, let's just say um, you know Dylan Cousins makes the team next year uh, so we can add him uh, into the mix. I, my first hope is that they, and this is a different conversation, but I know, you know, Sam Reinhart's contract is up, and that's a big that's a big conversation as well. Right. Uh, but we know how well he plays with Jack Eichel. So if we just assume for the sake of argument that Reinhardt's back, Olafson is back fully healthy, and they keep that line intact. If we assume that, uh, you know, I don't see why he's not more than a point-per-game player. Um, you know, he has had some injuries, but none of them make me feel like he's injury prone or anything like that. Um, you know, big, strong guy. As you said, I agree 100% with the idea that he is built for the playoffs. Um, and I think I, I think the players really understand what this team means to this town. Because one of the things that, and you alluded to it perfectly, during that 10-game win streak, the fans were into it as though the Sabres were back. And they got a taste of that. And by getting a taste of that, it's in the back of their minds. They know that this town is capable of full 100% support. The problem is they've been burned so many times, it becomes really difficult to believe in it. And I think Jack Eichel understands that. You, you hear some of the answers in his interviews. He can relate because he feels the same way, being that he's the captain of said organization. But I think... So for me, just on a statistical standpoint, I think he's over a point-per-game player, uh, maybe around 90 points, uh, you know, his his usual, you know, in, in that 30-goal, 60-assist type thing. Uh, he, he found great chemistry with Victor Olofsson, which I think was a – I don't want to say a big surprise. A lot of fans that were paying attention knew Olofsson was a goal scorer from his days in Sweden. But he, uh, I think, really showed much more than a lot of people thought he even might. Uh, that line to me – is, is incredibly dangerous, and if they can keep that together and just provide some more depth, I think that line could drive them to uh, you know the, the bubble of the postseason next year. Yeah, for sure. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch, knock on wood again, but I think it'll be really fun to watch Jack Eichel um, in this next season, you know, for, for all the points that we've alluded to, and 
just please just get them to the playoffs. Everybody wants yeah. to see that. You know, not even just Buffalo fans, but like the rest of the NHL. You know, people know who Jack Eichel is, obviously. But if you get him to the playoffs, like you said, you're able to market a guy like that. You know, everybody was watching the Chicago Edmonton series, like we said, because of McDavid, Drysdale, Kane, Taze. You know, Eichel in the playoffs. That's going to draw a lot of attention. And goodness, if if we don't get to the playoffs, oh, I don't, I don't even want to think about it. We're just, we're just going to head into the next point. <laughs> But, uh, exactly. Yeah, let's just skip over that. Um, but yeah, the next point I wanted to bring up um, was who do you think would be uh, a dark horse candidate to step up this coming year? And um, it could either be a forward or a defenseman. Um, but if you had to pick just one, who, who do you think you would go with and why? If I, if I had to pick one, and again, let's just assume – that contracts are renewed. Correct. I would have to go with I would have to go with Dominic Cahoon. I I really liked him uh, coming into his draft season. Uh, he he is an RFA, uh, so you know again you assume that they give him another deal. But he to me was exactly the kind of guy that the Sabers need is because when the Sabers were at their best back in the mid two thousands. When they were at their absolute best, it was because they could roll four lines, and all four lines could score. If you recall, they led the league in 20-goal scorers during their President's Trophy winning season. They had something like eight or nine guys score 20 goals. Yeah, it was crazy. It's, it's that balance that made them that good because you couldn't you couldn't match up against them. And Dominic Cahoon, to me, is the type of player that they need more of. He's a guy that can score. Um, he had last year, if you look at what he did in 56 games, he had 31 points, including 12 goals. So he's capable of putting up the offensive numbers. He's young. He, he has enough offensive talent to be in the top six. He's probably not going to overtake that top line just because – of the chemistry they have, again, assuming that they're all back together. But he's exactly what they need more of. So for me, I think Cahoon takes the next step next year. I think he ends up being, and he may only top out, understand the expectations here, he may only top out as a 50-point as a player. But you need three, four, five of those guys to go along with your top line if you're going to have any sustained success. So I think for me, as long as he comes back, Dominic Cahoon is my guy to watch for next season. Yeah, he definitely is, like you said, you know, one of those uh, middle six guys that could have the potential of 40 to 50 points. And you definitely need them. You need depth all through your lineup. And he's, he's a guy that, you know, I'm definitely glad, you know, people knock on Botter all the time, like for the O'Reilly trade, whatever. Um, this was one of his better trades from what we can tell so far, right? He, he only played six games with us, but, you know, Sherry probably wasn't going to resign. Erod, he really wasn't even cracking the lineup on a regular basis. And you get a guy like Dominic Hoon in return. And he showed a lot of promise. He looked good. He made some high-level skill plays. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, hopefully we do re-sign him. I can't imagine we wouldn't. Um, but, yeah, that's a great pick for a dark horse candidate. Um, my guy that I'm that I'm going to go with, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of, 
you know, having him in the back of their mind is Tage Thompson. Now, yeah. he he's kind of had a rough go of it in the last few years, right? First of all, it doesn't help that he was part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. You know, no matter no matter what happens, it's probably going to look like a loss big time. Um, no matter you know what happens down the road, but Tage Thompson, he's kind of he's kind of the last hope of that trade, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't need to talk about what happened with the rest of the pieces. Uh, Saboka and Berglund um, obviously did not pan out. Yeah, they worked out well. Yeah, but Tage Thompson, he has shown a lot of potential, and it hasn't necessarily translated to to the NHL quite yet. But I'm 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 really hoping this season does. Um, now, last year he started out pretty hot in Rochester. Um, he did he had 12 points in 16 games. It wasn't you know world breaking numbers by any chance, uh, by any means, but. He was kind of the consistent offense for Rochester during the first, you know, little bit of the season. Um, he, he earned the call up to Buffalo, and what happened in his very first game, he got injured, he was out for the season. Now, that's that's really tough, especially when, you know, all the coaches were like, oh, he came into camp, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he's in way better shape, and then an injury happens and puts him out. Now... With such a, an extended offseason for Buffalo, you have guys like Tage Thompson who can really take advantage of that. Okay, he's only 22 years old. We, we can't forget that. Okay, he's still a young player and he's got so much more room to improve. Now, full offseason, he's going he's gonna to hit the weight room. He's going to put on even more to his six foot five, 200 frame, 200 pound frame. He's going to add to that, right? And he's going to be ready to go. And I'm just saying, I don't want to put expectations on the kid because he still has to prove it. But I would not be surprised if he really takes a big jump um, that kind of kind of takes a lot of people by surprise. And, and I'm hoping he's another one of those middle six guys um, that can come in and contribute and, and be one of those secondary scoring guys we can count on from time to time. I absolutely agree. I think he's a great pick. In fact, he was actually one of my picks um, for, for for this. I, I kind of thought about him um, for this situation. And uh, I had written about him at buffalohockeycentral.com. We had written about uh, uh, predictions for the rest of the season. And I had written that he had that 20-goal score potential. And he has shown that, where he has that kind of potential. And if he can stay healthy and figure out – his niche, and because again, he's a scorer, he's a shooter. His shot when he gets it off is unbelievable. It's but getting, so fast. It's so fast. He, it's crazy. But the problem is getting to that point uh, for him, getting into those spots, getting into a, a a prime shooting position has been a little tricky. If he can get there, I 100% agree. I think he's got 20 goal potential. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see him uh, in the in the royal blue next year. And um, secretly, I, I really want to see – now, this is kind of high expectations for, for young players, but I would really like to see a potential Skinner-Cousins-Thompson line. That, yeah. that potential is, is kind of scary. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But I, I, do, uh, I do have high hopes for Thompson. I'm not giving up on him yet. Right. 
even though a lot of people are. That Ryan O'Reilly thing is really very distasteful still for a lot of fans. Yeah, we we got to just kind of let go of that at this point. There's there's no sense in in uh, keeping that in our mouths. We can just spit that out and be done. Um, but it should be should be exciting. Um, the last point that I wanted to discuss uh, was the goalie situation. Now I feel like a lot of people have mixed thoughts on our goalie situation. Um, you know, I think it's it's pretty safe to say that Linus Allmark is our is our guy right now, right? He's our number one guy. Um, he's probably going to take even more of the workload. Uh, it was really a bummer that he he went down with the injury toward the end of last year um, because he was hot and we were. I don't know if we were in the playoffs or close, but he was hot and he went down and then we had the blind bat Hutton come in and we just slid right back down the standings. Um, so there's a couple points there that I wanted to get your your thoughts on. Now, do you think Linus Allmark, we'll, we'll start with him. Do you think Linus Allmark is ready to pick up the full starter load of like 50 plus games and be able to win the majority of them? And, um, you know, hopefully take us to the playoffs next year. Do I think he's ready to be the starter for 50-plus games? I think he has to be. Um, and I, I, I believe that, that he has, and you can even, even if you're just looking at it from a statistical standpoint, he has improved uh, over his first year of, I don't want to say starting, but platooning at least. Because in his first year of platooning, and starting um, 37 games, a 905 save percentage and a 3.11 goals allowed. Okay, that's pretty mediocre, pretty pedestrian, not terrible, but but very league average. Uh, but this year, this past year, in 34 games uh, started, he ends up with a 915 save percentage and a 2.69 goals allowed. Now, for me, that's a guy showing enough promise to make me think. Yes, to answer your question, yes, I think he is ready for that. Um, I. Do I think he's the Sabres goaltender of the future? I hedge a little bit at that. I know a lot of people are really excited for UPL. I know they want to see him in Buffalo yesterday. He's obviously not ready. He, he ends up, you know, he was phenomenal uh, early in the season. He ends up getting the call up to Rochester where he had his bumps. He was good for his age and his experience, but he had his bumps. It's going to take some time even if he makes it to Buffalo. I think Linus Allmark's the guy that the organization today is banking on to be their starter of the future. Uh, do I think that he improves on the numbers he had from last year? That's my hope. Because I think if he can get that goals allowed down to about two and a half and the save percentage maybe up to 920, the Sabres have the makings of a guy who could steal the game here or there. Because that's really been his big knock, hasn't it? Where... He's good enough to keep them in most games. He has some clunkers, like like most goaltenders do, but ha he hasn't shown with any amount of consistency the ability to steal a game. And the problem is, with a team like Buffalo right now, they need a goaltender to do that from time to time, the way this team is built. And they didn't get that from him. And again, that's not really knocking him as much as the, the team structure as a whole, but you know, we're, the problem is, too, for Sabres fans, I mean, most generations of Sabres fans are still coming off of Dominic Hoshik and Ryan Miller and coming off of guys that could do that 
on on sometimes a nightly basis. So it, I I like him. I think he's a good goaltender, and I think he'll end up being a very solid starter league wide. Even if you compare him league wide, um, I I would love to sit here and say I think he carries them to the playoffs, but I think that's Jack Eichel's job. Unfortunately, I think that's where it's going to come for Buffalo. As long as Linus Olmark improves even nominally, I think this team has a chance to be in the postseason with him as a starter. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would uh, agree with, with most of what you said. Um, you know, he, he does kind of have to be ready to take that step, right? Like, if he's not ready, then unless we get some crazy, unexpected bounce-back season from Hutton, you know, it probably does mean we're missing the playoffs again. Um, but... You know, he, he has improved from season to season, and, you know, he really hasn't given us a reason to doubt that he can't do it again. Um, I think he does have room to improve as far as, like, stealing those games, right? He does keep us in most, if not all, the games that he plays in, but mm-hmm. he, he's not going to single-handedly win them. Right. Um, so that, that brings us to Carter Hutton. Um, and, and real quick, we do have to re-sign Allmark. I'm hoping that it's... I don't, I don't know at this point. Maybe a bridge deal, a couple-year bridge deal, see what he can do, and then if he's worth it, pay him after. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is, he's an RFA, and he made $1.325 million last year at 27 years of age. So I, I agree. I mean, you have to sign him. I don't think you can, in good conscience, sign him to a long-term deal right now. But I could see a three-year contract, a bridge deal, as you said. I think that would probably be the smartest and in the Sabres' best interest. Because really, um, Carter Hutton is a UFA after this next season. And I and I understand, you know, we were talking about the vision, how he had his vision fixed and everything, and tracking pucks should be easier for him this year. But I don't, unless he has to come in and carries them to the playoffs, I could very easily see them signing up, signing another guy. Because the hope is that you wouldn't even necessarily have to sign a guy to platoon with Olmark with a... With a uh, 50-30 kind of split. Maybe that would be like the, the, the high end of that. If, if Allmark's that good, maybe you can even get a guy for 20 games in a 60-20, give or take, you know, 61-21 split. Uh, but but again, I, I don't think you're going to... I really would be surprised if they re-signed Carter Hutton past this season. But I think Allmark's got to get at least three years. Yeah, yeah. I think I would agree with that number exactly. And, you know, at, at that point, we would definitely know you know, what his potential is. Um, now, we kind of just briefly touched on Hutton. Um, obviously, last year did not go the way that anyone had hoped, and then we found out that he had vision problems. So, like, you definitely don't like to hear that after the season's over when, you know, maybe they maybe they knew during the season and just couldn't do anything about it at that point. But regardless, um, you know, he, he got that fixed over the offseason um you know he, he did show some potential in the last couple of years like uh I, I feel like both of the starts of each of the last two seasons he was really really good you know he had the nickname starter hutton and he he actually did show the ability to steal games um but it was the inconsistency and you know the games where he did play as the backup where he just he just didn't look like he belonged out there um, 
Now you could say that was the vision. Sure, whatever. Well, he better prove it because if he doesn't play well this year, uh, we won't re-sign him, and it might be tough to find another job after that. And I think the point that needs to be made here is I don't really believe fixing the vision is going to make him a better goaltender insofar as this great jump. If you look at last year, he had a sub-900 save percentage. And for any goaltender at any level, that's a problem. And But here's, here's my hope for him vis-a-vis this vision situation. He had a propensity to let in some goals where you just hung your head afterwards because you thought to yourself, and, and you know, because fans think this. They think, I could have stopped that. And I would say 90% of the time after they yell that in the crowd, they're probably wrong. But there were some goals that Carter Hutton let in that I, I think very possibly people in the crowd could have stopped. And I think Carter Hutton would admit to that. I think with the vision situation, that to me could be where the vision had, that's where it played a part. And if he can, if that would improve, if the vision would allow him to be able to track the puck in such a way where he wouldn't have the soft goal-itis, as it were, I mean, he he has shown in his time in Nashville and, and St. Louis, especially in St. Louis, he showed the ability to be a fringe starter. And I would have absolutely no problem with him starting 25 games or so for my team if he could kind of rein in the soft goal problems and, you know, just be a guy that could be reliable enough to make 30 of 30, you know, 30 saves on 33 shots and win a game 4-3. To me, that's all you're asking of him. But he didn't even give them that last year. We'll see how much the vision played a part. It could have played, I mean, obviously vision for a goaltender. That's kind of important. But we'll see how the actual acuity fix that he had plays into his playing the position. I think it'll be interesting. But because of his age and and contract situation, it's a big year for him, but I will not be surprised if he doesn't come back uh, following th- this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see. And, and like you said, I just want to touch on it real quick. You know, it, it really was the soft goals that killed us last year um, and, and the games that he played in, in particularly, right? Not only is it a goal against, but like, you know, you if you're on the bench and you see like a really soft goal get let up, like that's that's tough to overcome, especially when, you know, there's not a ton of confidence spewing from from Buffalo, uh, right. the Buffalo Sabres already. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. Those those ones, you know, you get a you get a soft goal here and there and it's like it's very deflating. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm really hopeful that. Uh, that he can bounce back. I'm hoping that the vision um, is completely fixed. And, you know, like you said, like that's pretty important for a goaltender. So we'll see, we'll see if that was, uh, if that was the problem or if it's, you know, maybe he's just kind of getting older and maybe losing his touch. Um, But he does, you know, if, if these are the two goalies we go forward with and Hutton is um, presumably the backup, He's gonna he's gonna need to be uh, a lot better than he was last year for sure. Yeah, and I think too the other point to be made is it'll be really interesting how Ralph Kruger deploys a defensive uh, system this year because really I think the system can be blamed for some of that as well. I mean there, there were times you're watching these games and you could you saw the goaltenders are just hung out to dry 
And, you know, part of it, for me anyway, is also how they play as a team unit in their own zone. If, if they can clean that up too, you know, it's obvious. If you clean up your defensive end, your goaltenders just look better. Your goaltenders are a natural boon to your team if your defensive posture is good. And you're 100% right. If you've ever played the game, you know a soft goal. You don't blame the goaltender, but it sure sends the wrong message on the bench, and it just makes you dig in even harder. And you know as well as I do, when you dig in harder, you tend to not perform at your top level because you're not, you are now playing inside your own head because you know you have to make up for that mistake. And that's tough to do at any level of hockey. Definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Ralph Kruger's checking out the playoffs and specifically keeping an eye on maybe the Islanders in this first round. Um, like we touched on earlier, they're, they're one of those teams that knows how to shut, shut it down on the defensive end. And um, if we can get you know, anywhere close to the level they play at defensively, uh, that should definitely help both of our goaltenders um, and hopefully uh, a better season next year. Uh, Craig, thank you for tuning in um, and joining me with our first episode back. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow us on Twitter at bhc.com. The .com is all spelled out, no spaces. Um, I'm at John Kriegs, and Craig is at A underscore B underscore Alliance. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Buffalo Hockey Central and our website at buffalohockeycentral.com. Uh, we hope to see you guys next time.